makes the greats great? What makes the successful successful? What makes the brilliant brilliant? Our Tuesday meetups with the celebrities of pharma industry and science are your one-stop shop to all these answers and more. Join us for Pies of Life, an initiative of the Biopatrika Industry Mentorship Program, where we bring your dream mentors to you. Yeah, I'm recording this, uh, Nilima. Uh, yeah, sure. Well, because some people have said that they are not able to join in because of something else. Uh, Shruti uh, and Sibaram, quick introductions from you. One liner, two liners. Hi, ma'am. Hi, sir. Uh, good evening. Uh, I'm Shruti, and I'm uh, currently in Bangalore and working for Biocon as a senior executive. Okay. So I've been here for past eight months. So basically, so which part of Bangalore do you live in? Uh, near Electronic City. Is it pouring there also? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little bit. Lovely weather. Lovely weather. <laughs> yeah. It's raining. Sibaram, long time. Nice Good seeing time. you. Yeah. Hello. Hi, Hello, ma'am. This is Sibaram here. I'm from Odisha. I'm currently I'm working in with Sinjin. Uh, it's a part of Biocon Group only. Okay. I'm residing at Bangalore only. Lovely to meet all of you. And there is a Galaxy F41. I don't know who that is. <laughs> um, that's me, Jatin. I just changed my name also. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, we want you. You want us to call you Galaxy? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're not. You're not 41. <laughs> not female 41. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So there are a few yeah. people on the on the WhatsApp saying that they are joining in a minute or so, but let let's wait for a few few minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. And um, so the Nilima, just to give you a, a framework of this this group, um, mainly this group is uh, are folks who who have uh, who are either doing their graduate studies or um, just transitioned into a job or looking for a job in that in that. Uh, phase of their career. Most of you are mid twenties, late twenties, <laughs> late thirties. <Okay. laughs> they all look very young. Okay. <laughs> and so and so, you know, everyone's you know generally we've been talking uh, on various different topics, and one of the topics that everybody sort of generalized topic is uh, careers and career transitions and career growth and you know what what one has to do to either find a job or or find new jobs or maintain a good job if you have one, et cetera, et cetera. So that is sort of the theme that everybody uh, talks about. But, but you know, we can talk about anything you want and, I, and you bring so many different experiences. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is a good theme. And if that's something that's like a burning, uh, challenging uh, phase in their life right now, then why not? I mean, you, you have your own interesting journey in your a career path and I've had a very, very interesting one. So happy yeah. to share and give some insights and learnings we got along the way. <laughs> yeah. So let me quickly introduce uh, Nilima to all of you. I've sent you her uh, information on the WhatsApp, but uh, Nilima is a very dear friend from childhood. And, but over the years that, you know, we've gotten to know each other, especially as adults, um, you know, we have experienced, um, uh, you know, self-awareness. I call self-awareness. She calls it something else. Uh, but but we both believe that uh, in addition to 
uh, your day job of studying or working and earning money and all, improving your own mental state is probably one of the most important things that you will do for yourself. And, and I can't think of a better person than Nilima to talk to us about it and, and you know, explore that space and, and show you a process to explore that space. Uh, I don't want to define it by anything, but I'll let Nilima uh, expand on that. So Nilima, why don't you sort of talk to us for about five, 10 minutes and then we'll do in Q&A. Okay. Well, uh, when Narain said he'd like me to meet with the a group of PhD students, I must tell you, that's one thing I haven't yet uh, added to my to-do list, which I had thought one day I should do a PhD. And I wanted to do a PhD on the theme of spirituality in mental health and emotional well-being as a role that it plays. I still haven't given up on it, but my daughter teases me that, aren't you tired of adding ABCDs after your name? Why do you want to do some more? Will you become Dr. Square? <laughs> because after doing an MBBS and MS and MCH, and now if you want to do a PhD, what's that going to mean? I said, no, it'll have to be Dr. Raised to the power four, not square. I'm not that bad at maths is what I explained to her, who's an engineer and therefore thinks all we doctors are quite bad with figures. <laughs> and... Uh, I started by deciding I want to be a surgeon when I was 13. And it was an interesting way I came to it. When Naren and I first met, I was around 12, he was 14. And uh, this was a journey from Lucknow to Pune. And it's a long train journey. And I was reading a book called Making of a Surgeon. And it inspired me so much. I never said I want to be a doctor. I decided I'm going to be a surgeon. And when I came, I told my Aji, I've decided I want to be a surgeon. And she said, sure, why not? If you want to do it, that's what you should be. My parents didn't take me so seriously because till then from childhood, I decided I wanted to be a trapeze artist. I wanted to be a circus clown and I wanted to be an astronaut. So they thought this is just one more of the long series of what I want to be when I grow up. But I didn't let go of that dream and by God's grace and hard work, did manage to uh, reach where I wanted to be. And in fact, I did my pediatric surgery after my daughter was born. So after my MS, when people said, what next? I said, I'm going to get two more degrees. They said, what? I said, an MA and an MCH. I said, MA? Why are you doing an MA? I said, yeah, ma, I'm a ma. Banne wali <laughs> and then they were very surprised. And after that, you're going to still study? And I said, yeah, I am. And uh, it was interesting that we actually went to the USSR. And uh, my husband also is a doctor. And uh, my daughter was barely a year old and people thought we were absolutely nuts to leave an MCH in KEM Mumbai, which is like a premier institute and go to USSR where there's no knowledge of language or uh, the cold and all of that. But my grandmother, who was 92, she encouraged me. She said, you know what? Children are born there, grow up there. I'm sure their country is geared to take care of kids. And children thrive on love and basic necessities being taken care of. You don't need anything fancy. If you have your dream, you should go. And once the grandmother says, of course, the parents can't totally object and say you can't go or whatever. So there we packed off and went. And it was an amazing three years we spent there. And thanks to that, I learned a new language. I understood a beautiful new culture, made wonderful friends. And we lived through those historical times when the glasnost, perestroika, and the coup happened. 
and of course my friend sees me in Lima what did you go and do there USSR was considered a superpower you brought it to its knees it's broken up into so many states and they were in financial dire straits for some time but it's still a beautiful country if you'll ever get a chance do visit it and they're wonderful people and best thing they look up to Indians and India as a very ancient rich culture and a blessed land unlike a lot of Western countries, we still think of us as backward or developing and all that. So it was nice. So all through my life, I have not had an easy time because I've chosen, let's say, paths which were less trodden. But I had a role model and an inspiration in my own grandmother. I have to tell a little bit about her uh, because she has been and continues to be an inspiration for both my sister and myself. And we became doctors because of her. And I've written a book to commemorate this wonderful unsung hero called My Aji and I in Marathi, Aji is grandmother, even in Canada. And uh, she was born in 1897 in a village in Maharashtra. She became an orphan when she was two years old. She was married when she was nine and was a child widow at 10, thanks to the plague, pandemic, epidemic, whatever happened then. And in those days in India, women's edu women education was not very well developed and opportunities were very few. But her grandfather told her, if you want to have a life, you have to be educated and you have to be able to stand on your own feet financially. Otherwise you have nothing in life because she would have been relegated to the back uh, rooms of some, someone's house as a maid or something. So she went on and became a doctor. And can you imagine in 1928, I don't know how many of you youngsters would have the courage to do that in a public forum when my grandfather, that time he wasn't my grandfather, of course, her classmate was giving a talk on supporting the Gandhian principles of uh, not having untouchables and to have equality and rights for women. And if widows, widows can remarry, why not widows? So she stood up and proposed to him in public. saying, I'm also a doctor. I'm a child widow. Will you marry me? And kudos to my grandpa, he said, yes. <laughs> and so I exist today. So coming from a legacy like that, whenever I'm faced with any challenges or difficulties, I say, oh, if she could do it, this has been so much harder. If she could do it, so can I. And I hope some of you will read that book. It's available on Kindle also or a paperback. And it will give you insights. Of course, it's a totally different era, but I've written it as a generational piece with even my experience in Russia. So sometimes there were some very similarities, like my husband and I are classmates, and 60 years later, we graduated from the same med school that my grandfather and grandmother had. <laughs> so there were some similarity, and of course, I grew up in a much more uh, empowered uh, situation and privileged uh, family and support and all of that. And got to do a lot of things which probably others may not have had the chance to. But if you do get the chance, do read it. Uh, it, it might help you all what you all are figuring out now about careers and the direction you need to choose to be successful, to enjoy your life. Because if you have clarity within yourself of what you want to do, automatically the paths open up, the opportunities come. And it's not just good luck or bad luck. I think when you are prepared and you're prepared to 
walk that mile and go that uh, extra length to do what you really believe in, these opportunities come knocking at your door literally. And you grab them. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy or that you're going to suddenly get everything given like a uh, magic wand being waved and you get your three wishes, no. But enjoying that journey and the challenges because everything teaches you something wonderful. Like today with the COVID pandemic, so many things have changed. It's a new way of living, thinking and all. But I think it has been beautiful with only one reason. We have a planet that is having cleaner air, cleaner water, uh, safer uh, environment. And people have time. It's like you put a pause button and you have time to actually think and figure things out. Otherwise, we are so busy doing. We should be called human doings, not human beings. So if you have to be human beings, we have to learn to just be. Be in the now, be in yourself, be connected within, be connected to your family and friends and enjoy just being without doing anything also. And I think that is a beautiful lesson that a lot of us have had a chance to learn, imbibe and actually practice in this COVID pandemic. I think uh, you had said that you want to talk about passion and focus and ability to you know, have fulfilling lives. There is a very common saying in English, mind your P's and Q's, right? So quickly, can each one of you tell me something with a P that is linked with this theme of passion that could apply to your lives or your work or your chosen field? Anybody, unmute yourself and say, positivity, peacefulness, Purposefulness, so many. Come on, think. Priority. Priority, very good. PhD. <laughs> Patience. Patience, very good. Dedication. Uh, dedication with a P. Okay, we can have a P silent there. <laughs> Purpose. Purpose, yes. Keep touching the limits. Beg your pardon? Keep touching the limits. Okay. Peace. I'm saying start, start with the P. Peace. Maybe it should be a pleasant experience. Maybe it should be a productive day. Maybe it should be a pointed argument. Whatever. Pleasant. <laughs> we are minding our P's and Q's, right? <laughs> peace. Pleasant. Peaceful, yes. Peace, yes. Perseverance. Perseverance, excellent. See how many qualities we got with P. And now out of all this list that we've said, honestly think in your heart, how many of them do you have? And are you willing to do something to get the others? Because all these are very positive attributes of your life, right? So uh, we, had, we had about nine said about here. Out of those nine, if you, all those who feel you already have seven or more, Show me your hand. Be honest with yourself, okay? It's excellent. <laughs> so, yeah, those who have less than five, let's see our hand. Out of the nine Ps. Okay. So, are we willing to do something to get the others if you want them in our life? Are we all willing? Yes. Okay. So, that's the purpose of this talk, right? 
we found our purpose today. And the cues. I think for cues, I'm not going to say qualities because we don't want to go down that path. But I would say you're all very bright people, I'm sure, because you're doing PhDs and working in such challenging spaces. So quotients is something you're all aware of. IQs, right? Intelligence quotient. And of course, these days, more people talk about the EQs, the emotional quotients. What are the other quotients that you can think of that are important for a good quality of life? Q is quality, yes. But uh, what are the quotients that you'll know of other than IQ and EQ? Unmute and say. Being a good human being. Yes, but uh, is there a word for that? Goodness quotient, we can call it. Intelligence. Intelligence quotient is very well known. Emotional quotient is very well known. What about relationship quotients? Do you think that's important for yes. a successful life? Yes. What about a social quotient? Not social media, okay? I don't mean how many friends give likes and how many Instagram followers. No, no, no. Social uh, quotient in terms of being engaged with your peers, your seniors. Do you think that's important for your life? Yes. Yeah, how many feel that a spiritual quotient is also an important aspect of our Very life? Very important aspect yeah. of our life. Excellent. So see, so we got all our P's lined up. We've got so many questions lined up. So now let's open it up for questions and then we can do deep dive into any of those that becomes an important or interesting part to all of you or to any of you because I think we all learn from each other. I'm here to learn from all of you today. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's, there's a lot of things I'm sure Nilima has, 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 has an amazing uh, background. So let, let, let's do a few questions that will give us a framework of uh, the kind of thoughts people have and then maybe you can expand on yeah. later. So please okay. just raise your hand and ask questions. I'll moderate a little bit. Any questions? Neha's hand is up. Yeah, go ahead. Sneha, you unmute yourself. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Can you hear me now? Am I audible? Now you're audible. Please repeat your question. Uh, Ma'am, I just wanted to know as to what was the turning point in your life and how did you like, you know, have your journey. So like, as in what did you realize after? Uh, you know, leading such a life. Like you spent all these years observing people, getting to know so many people also. And then what is your understanding out of it? I always enjoyed meeting people. And even when traveling, I travel, I've traveled a lot. It was never shopping or just sightseeing. Yes, I enjoyed the sights, but more it was to meet the people and understand. And the biggest takeaway I have from having met a lot of different people from different walks of life and different stages of life, let's say, is that the needs that we all human beings have are exactly the same, no matter age, gender, culture, country of residence, education center, anything. The needs are the same. And the wants are very different depending on your age and your 
goals and your other things your wants can be endless but if you actually focus on what you really need to be healthy happy humans they are the same across the world and finally whatever your achievement whatever your earnings whatever your uh, accolades you may have got from the outside it's your sense of self and your self worth and your self comfort of being who you are or being happy with who you are is what matters the most and if you're not fully happy with who you are you have opportunities to change in not fundamentally who you are not i don't mean plastic surgery or anything like that what i mean is if your career is not being as fulfilling it's always possible to look for alternatives if your relationship is not as healthy as you want it to be you can always figure things out but it has you can't change another person you can only change yourself to find whatever it is that you're seeking peace or happiness or health or purpose or whatever you work with yourself and when you really want to work with yourself and you really want to have a guide the right people come and touch your life you have to just be alert enough to understand that that is the opportunity given to you and you take that leap of faith and doesn't mean that those helping hands or whatever are going to mollycoddle you and carry you across no sometimes it's the most irritating person or the most annoying person or the most uh, uncooperative person coming into your life that teaches you the most valuable lessons <laughs> that's what i have learned so <laughs> true so true ma'am i would like to ask one question you spoke about spirituality uh, so i wanted to know the correlation between spirituality and science hello okay spirituality and science yeah because uh, the youngsters they don't uh, really believe in spirituality unless and until it's validated right because they mostly think of a western world because the science there is validated they have an experiment and they have a proof but they are uh, very it's very difficult for people to believe what is there in the scripture especially indian scriptures people tend to follow the foreign world and they are following us but still we are not able to get the value so uh, i mean and also i've heard a lot of podcasts i mean wherein quantum physics is correlated with spirituality and people really think uh, i mean they just want to know the proof so i mean is there any correlation between them or like how how to go about it very good question shruti but before i tell you my perspective what is your take on it are spirituality and science uh, two different things are they overlapping things or are they complementary uh, fields i think it's complementary but um uh, what i feel is uh, certain things cannot be uh, proved through experiments i believe in spirituality but then there is something which exists but we can't prove it right so uh, <laughs> yeah i mean i believe in spirituality but yeah i think it's complementary to each other but people don't believe whatever i say unless and until there is a proof to it so that is does why it, I does it matter what others believe or does it matter what you believe for yourself 
I mean, sometimes it affects me. I mean, if people don't believe totally. it, then I I really think that okay, I might be wrong somewhere. <laughs> no, so. totally. When others don't agree with you or see the same point mm-hmm. of view, it can get into an argument or a debate or an annoying factor. And sometimes when it's a person close to you, uh, or your mentor, or your guide, or your teacher, or your parent, mm-hmm. or your sibling, it can be hurtful also. Yeah. But it should not change. your thinking unless they can give you same objective proof of the non existence of spiritual uh, ideas or uh, scripture given the thing of the higher uh, divinity or a higher power or whatever just as they say you don't have proof of its existence that they never have proof of its not existence because what we know in scientific terms as proof is only something that you can quantify measure and uh, uh, visualize or perceive with our five senses but there is a consciousness which is far beyond the five senses and some people have asked me after being a doctor and all how come you believe in god i said when you witness the miracle of birth once twice and again and again you can't but believe in it every time i've opened a chest or an abdomen for a surgery the sheer beauty of those amazing organs that each cell is so well synchronized and working in perfect harmony with the rest to keep us healthy and alive in spite of all the nonsense we do to our bodies that's miracle and yes i can remove a cancerous organ or i can amputate a limb but finally even if i have stitched it with the best material can i make the wound heal can i give life or can i take life no and scientifically nothing changes when a person dies the weight doesn't change the mass doesn't change nothing but even the best of technology and all the life support system cannot bring back that life yes near death experience and emergency medicine that can salvage or prevent uh, demise is possible once it's done it's done so i don't think i need proof and if others don't believe it's their loss maybe they have to reach a maturity level where they understand and intuitively just know something because it is not because someone showed it or someone said it or someone did it or someone proved it that for me is spirituality and it doesn't mean just that going to temples or reading scripture also just sitting on a, under a beautiful tree and watching the sunrise is such an uplifting experience and recharges me for the day i start my day every day i am very blessed to live in a place that allows me even during covid times to be out in the green with the birds chirping and the sunrise and the sunset it's just amazing <laughs> um, i'm not sure i answered your question but i gave you my perspective <laughs> yeah you know yeah, yeah. i am going to i'm going to come I, i generally don't interrupt in the uh, question and answer session but i'm going to interrupt here by saying nilima uh, i'm going to just rephrase some of the questions that are going to come which are related to spirituality and science uh, and and let people hold off on those questions because i want to have a separate session only on that topic with you next time okay Because it's a very very vast topic here yes. very vast topic so i think let's let's refrain from those kind of questions today but um you know ask more 
down to earth questions <laughs> <laughs> we come down from stratosphere to this level <laughs> we'll to fly there i know that but we'll bring her to talk only about that one <laughs> <laughs> that time i'll come with my halo okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay please go ahead Uh, Ma'am, would like to know about your work uh, in that IMA thing where you are working uh, for the mental health of doctors, and uh, so what kind of approach you take to uh, handle such kind of mental health issues or depression, and what advice you give to uh, youngsters like us to uh, actually handle such kind of situations in life? Uh, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist, but yes. i have been certified in spiritual based counseling and i love working with children and young adults i don't do marital counseling but i do work and uh, today even more than the toll that the covid virus is taking of uh, health and life the impact on mental health is far more people are not realizing it but many have started experiencing the effects of the mental health issues like anxiety like fear like depression like a sense of purposelessness or a doomsday expectations and all and our media is to blame because they keep feeding only negative garbage all the time and uh, everyone is focusing on the number of people dying every day not realizing that 98% are surviving even after getting covid and 85% are recovering with doing nothing much except staying at home and taking plenty of fluids and a few vitamins people are not focusing on that they always focusing somewhere there is a, a sort of morbid interest in all the negativity that goes on and then it's like a self fulfilling prophecy you keep on hearing and then you keep on thinking negatively and then it puts pushes you into a spiral downward so i came into handling this ima doctors for doctors as we name it in short about 3 years ago because i was part of a forum that was addressing the violence against doctors and hospitals that was erupting in many places across india and the root cause of that we had come to the conclusion was the fact that uh, as a nation we had not fulfilled the need for a robust public health system to meet the healthcare delivery needs of our masses and therefore 80% of care was happening in private uh, care centers and most of it with out of pocket ex- expenses and cost of treatments were just going higher and higher with technology with new drugs with new modalities people can live with many serious challenges but at a huge cost and there are no guarantees in any treatment i mean something as little as a flu influenza kills millions every year and something as horrible as cancers and aids and other thing also killing a lot of people road traffic but when somebody can't afford treatment but they actually you know uh, sell their assets or mortgage their homes and pay to try to save their loved one especially when it's a child and all and then it's not successful they are angry they are frustrated they are resentful they are sad and they emotional and then a soft target is that young doctor or nurse who's right in front of them where they can vent against and then a mob tendency happens you know somebody else is as frustrated and just it, there was no fault of that one doctor for that one patient but it was like the straw that breaks the camel's back 
but from that we also came to a discussion of the rising suicides among medical students and doctors during my med school days during the um, uh, nine years of uh, medical education undergrad postgrad and all of that i think people in my batch or senior or junior we had four suicides in nine years known to me whereas here every month there are 10 15 suicides happening across india after i took this on i was getting detailed thing including the suicide and i said this rate i'll get depressed but we didn't want to call it a suicide prevention initiative so just like rather than focusing on treating or preventing a negative thing i said let's imbue or uh, in, uh, help them imbibe a positivity of emotional well-being because when does a person reach that last end of wanting to give up on life or take their own life is when they have lost all hope and they're feeling so isolated and they're feeling so dejected and feel there is no possibility of any other option and it would be easier to end it all than keep suffering that's when something happens so if you create resilience if you create coping skills if you create communication around this and help people practice positive well-being as a part of life like i often say you go to the dentist only when your tooth aches or do you go for preventive dental care for flossing cleaning and scaling and whatever else and annual checkups etc and if you can do that for dental hygiene why not have something for mental hygiene we face frustrations we face challenges we face uh, emotionally traumatizing thing we face breakdown in relationship we face disappointments every day in some small way or the other but at the end of the day just like you brush your teeth before going to bed why not do a brush up of your mind remove all the negativity put some nice mouth freshener like uh, whatever mouth rinse that you have for your mind and go to bed with positive happy thoughts so you wake up with a smile but this is never taught to us and yeah. everybody i'm not just saying doctors everybody goes through challenges but in the medical field from the day you enter medical college after going through some neat exam and so much of competition you're pitted against the best of the best so to say and everybody can't be a topper but you've been a topper in your school xyz has been to and suddenly everybody can't be a topper and for them it's unthinkable to be anything other than a topper and the family is expecting us oh my child is a genius my child is a thing and they're made to look larger than life like superheroes and they're desperately trying to live up to that expectation of themselves and their families good you say every day you're bombarded with new terms and new uh, knowledge and so many just the sheer number of parts in the body muscles nerves vessels organ cells million 30 new words to your vocabulary every day and you're supposed to understand it assimilate it be able to uh, reproduce in the exam and then apply it to when you're treating the patient and then every day you're dealing with death disease depression cases uh, some disgusting stuff that you see coming out of all kinds of orifices and you're just part of that because who comes to a doctor no healthy person comes say hi doc i just come to say hello to you no mujhe yahan dard ho raha hai mera sar dard ho raha hai mujhe ye cancer hai mujhe bp they all come with complaints and things so you are faced and bombarded with 
pain, suffering and disease all the time. But at the end of the day, if you focus like now in COVID times only on how many died in that day, rather than the 98% who survived, and if you keep focusing on that one patient who died in spite of your help and you couldn't save, and you start feeling, oh, I'm not a good doctor, now, you can get very depressed. Guilt, shame, frustration can come up very, or burnout. And therefore, we started this initiative, and we are still in its very neonatal phase, I'd say, not even pediatric phase, where we're still creating awareness. And you think doctors would be aware of this because they treat others for it. But somehow, you're so much uh, being trained to you know, put that stiff upper lip and bite the bullet and do your job and get on with it and do your best and put it behind you and keep working. You haven't been taught to take care of yourself. To say, yes, I'm a doctor, I'm a good doctor, but I'm a human being first. And I feel pain, I feel uh, dejected, I feel I need help at times. And it's okay to need help and it's okay to take help in a timely way which can prevent it escalating. But creating that has been this three year journey. And along with that, we are trying to do at a institution level, at a policy level, decisions and support systems. And I'm not saying good thing the pandemic happened, nobody can ever say that, but the pandemic has allowed people to actually vocalize and talk about emotional challenges. Because now it's not just the doctors who are facing it, everybody is. Yeah. There are more divorces happening than ever before because suddenly 24 bar 7, if you're in the same house, it's a small house and you're uh, on each other's heads all the time, it can be a reason to, for a breakdown of a relationship. Yes, yeah. at the same time, lockdown is also creating a lot more new births <laughs> because travel has reduced. <laughs> but good and bad is always there. It's always two sides of the same coin. Yeah. So the tips that we do in self-help things is the first step. Then at a group level, then at an institute level, we are working on it. Yeah. I think Argya has a question, then Sneha. Uh, go ahead, Argya. Actually, though things are being recorded, I think it will be off record only what I am going to discuss now. Okay. So uh, basically, I am a PhD student in IIT Bombay, a senior mm -hmm. PhD student. And mm -hmm. I have my colleague Renuka also. She is also working with me. Okay. And I, was, I am basically working in brain tumor region. Basically, okay. in 2019, we got a call that, uh, okay, there is a pandemic now. There is worldwide sh uh, shutdown. Those who want to come, uh, contribute voluntary can come and work in lab. So mm -hmm. we came into lab, we started working, and uh, we have got many patents and papers. I am not discussing about that. But the thing is that uh, now the, I am describing few of the points in the situation. Number one, like diagnosis, okay? In diagnosis, 90, they are telling 90% of the uh, RT-PCR tests, they are going false negative now. They are not able to capture the results. 40% or a success rate now it is happening. So number one point into this is that uh, the students like us, the scientists like us in all the big institutes have been shut down. Like you will not work, you are now yet. A general people, how they will do the basic sciences? They are not trained in that there is a high chances of failure rates. So people are misdiagnosed. Like I cannot expect the kind of science we can do. I cannot ex expect a, with a technician because he's not trained in that manner like RNA isolation and all that. I cannot accept that. So now 40% are getting uh, false negative. After that, they are telling, okay, I am showing the symptoms. They are going for 
uh, chest uh, examination and all that x-ray and mri so number one is that at institute level like at the man scientific management level you can find the institutes are completely like the top institutes are completely their hands have been shuffled off you will do nothing again just the interest of time if you can ask the question that will be so then many other people have questions please go ahead yeah so i am i am telling about the basic needs like the oxygen uh, supplies uh, co uh, covid related issues like uh, diagnosis and treatment like the people's are uh, like the people who are working in the research labs are 100% available to do that but they are not allowed and the most uh, guilt feeling is that you have to work with them every day so right now are you struggling with feeling guilty that you're not able to give your best for the cause of fighting covid in india sir uh, ma'am actually we are giving the best we are come with that kind of everythings but the higher authorities are not approving because they don't want the changes in the system so it's not guilt it's frustration that you are willing to give but it's not being utilized optimally yes somewhat like that well it's one of the emotions we feel because each one of us wants to do our best nobody is saying i want to do only a half hearted job and it's okay not to do it but each one's best can be different and your best and my best can be different but that's where i feel being grounded in a uh, some form of spiritual practice it helps you to avoid that frustration from escalating and affecting you in every part of your life because honestly we cannot control what the politicians will do or what the Uh, health systems will do or what decisions they will make but i go with this belief and believe you me even i feel frustrated at but i go with one firm belief that i think everybody is doing his or her best they're doing it with good intentions maybe the operationalization maybe the actual uh, outcomes are not the best but each and everybody is doing his or her best in their capacity Yes, there are a few rotten apples in every basket, and there will be those profiteering with spurious drugs and uh, black marketing some stuff and all crazy stuff. But you know that's a very small part. I focus on the greater great things, the good things, the amount of help that NGOs are doing, groups of people are doing, that uh, uh, companies are doing, individuals are doing, and that allows me to go to bed saying, yes, I've done my best for today. everybody is doing his or her best and ultimately it will all work out but if you start focusing on that small part which is going completely haywire according to my our perspective it can drive you nuts it doesn't mean you have to be an ostrich and say everything is hunky dory and ha ha blah blah no reality is reality but in the reality the goodness and the positivity is so much higher just focus on that and that expands Yeah. Sneha, you raise your hand. Yes, sir. Ma'am, firstly, I'd like to thank you for answering my previous question. I couldn't uh, actually thank because of my network issue. Uh, so my uh, question uh, to you is: uh, What are your views about uh, genetic depression, as in the one that are hereditary? Is there a permanent cure for the same? also i have been uh, like there are two three questions that i am up with uh, the second question is uh, that uh, i have been uh, myself dealing with depression since a very long time i have been to counseling and various sessions but i have realized this one thing that it 
there's just this thing that it keeps on reoccurring so like how do we deal with that on a permanent basis like is there any way out to it because i've realized that no matter how much counseling sessions i've gone through or i've been on medications as well at a certain tenure of time but it used to just affect for a brief period then later on if some instances are there to trigger to come back so is there any way that the recurrences can be stopped at a permanent level first of all i thank you that you have openly talked about your journey through depression and that itself is your biggest strength the fact that you are aware that you accept and you're willing to work to find a more positive way of dealing with it kudos to you and i think it shows a lot of maturity and shows a lot of courage to talk in an open forum secondly yes genetic uh, trait uh, the, and i haven't done the research but there are lots of papers on it that there are familial and genetic predispositions that make you more prone for a certain type of disorder and in many families you'll find uh, at various degrees of the same issues and you're very right it's not something that you know you take one course of treatment and you're home free it's like it's like the common cold you get it after 7 days you get better but a month later or two months later you can catch it again so my uh, guidance to anybody who is going through depression or any other mental health disorder is to try to understand it fully in depth almost like doing a phd for yourself not on the disease thing but for yourself and just like uh migraine or epilepsy before a full blown attack of migraine comes you do get that early signs and warning signs or epileptic starts sensing that that it's going to come now and the more you work with your inner thing you will sense those triggers which are telling you that it's coming back or it's escalating and if you find ways of intervening at that early warning sign and as you become more connected with your inner self you can get it earlier and earlier the awareness and then finding those things which help you to prevent it becoming a full blown thing and if you need medication fine if you need counseling fine but all of those are only tools finally you learn to cope and you learn to keep that even keel to the best and when you need the help you know what to do when to do whom to go to but handling it at your level you are the best judge if you can remain connected and self aware and that's where meditation is far superior to medication because meditation allows you to be an observer of yourself and there are many techniques that have helped a lot of people i'm sure you you would have read it read about it but that would be my thing to you accept it just like let's say if you have a mole on your cheek it's there it's part of you or you have uh, maybe a crooked finger because of some past injury it is part of you so yes once you accept it and you don't fear it and you don't resent it and you don't say, oh my god why do i have this then it's much easier to deal with it that would be my suggestion to you thank you ma'am thank you so much i don't see any hand raised but if anybody wants please unmute yourself tripti yeah tripti elaborate on spiritual counseling that you mentioned 
you provide a few tips to all of us, simple tips or spiritual tips that uh, and practices that we can follow to you know maintain sanity. In uh, in my spiritual-based counseling, I teach simple techniques which allow a person to find that comfort zone, that safe place, that place of uh, peace and quiet within yourself, even if you're in a chaotic, crazy surrounding. If you are practicing those techniques, you are able to get into that safe zone or whenever you need to, because all of us need it at some point or the other to recharge ourselves or to just distance yourself from something that is just too painful to uh, handle right now. And you need that space and time. Just like if you see a, a terrible accident on the road and you've come back home, you talk about it, but then you want to distance yourself away from it and recover from it and then go back to it later and see what you felt and analyze yourself or figure out what and then see whether your reaction was excessive for the situation or was it not adequate or was it is it going on too long or do you need to take some additional help but that immediate shock part of it that is there you need that space and that can happen in something as simple as getting a small panic attack because just before the exam you suddenly blank out and you think and you know you have to go and give that exam, but if you can go into that quiet space for just a few minutes, even sitting in your examination hall, it allows you to come back to your even keel and then function again. So those are some of the things that it needs practice, it needs uh, training, but it's not rocket science. And I teach it to you in five-year-old children, so <laughs> I'm sure smart people like you can always do it. And if you want, before we end this session, we could always do one five minutes of guided visualization and uh, recharging session if you all want it. Yeah, no, we should definitely do it. Uh, Jatin has a question. Uh, hi, ma'am. I'm the Galaxy F41 guy. So my my question is about uh, the amount of networking. The Of course, like the, the way we were meeting earlier before the pandemic, the, the physical comfort of meeting and... Uh, so that has gone like it was going down and down and then uh, now it's um, it's almost not there according to me. So the thing is, I moved to a new city uh, amidst this pandemic and started working in this COVID testing center. And because of that, this even this moved even further because I chose not to meet with a lot of people uh, during my day or something. So now it is uh, it has reached to a point that I have to. There is this work, and then there is less amount of meeting with people because the pandemic is still going on. Um, I, if I have to frame this, I just want to ask what to do in these times apart from these visual, this, uh, uh, these Zoom meetings, and uh, um, yeah, I mean, what else can we do in order to communicate better? Because after this pandemic is over, uh, I think personally that it will be difficult for me to like uh, then again go back and meet people in the same way as I was. It might be difficult, so that's my question. Uh, before I answer that, I want to ask you something. Are you feeling lonely or are you enjoying your solitude right now? So I used to enjoy my solitude to an extent, but now there's a time, there's, there, are, there are times when it feels like 
uh, at least there should be people, uh, there should be friends in room to talk to, or they should be, I should be able to talk to people. I only talk to people and workplace, not really uh, when I'm back home. So, yeah. It is a very, very valid question. And therefore, uh, I'm glad you asked it because this imposed isolation can be quite scary for some who are not used to being on their own. For others, it can become like, I'm enjoying being on my own and my solitude so much. You become antisocial or dehumanized sort of thing. Or Finally, since you're only communicating with uh, virtual media and other things, it doesn't fully connect with that person. Because however much you say technology is allowing, like today what we are doing wouldn't have been possible without technology. And yes, but human beings are wired to be social animals. And it's not just the physical touch that you feel when you hold someone's hand or shake someone's hand, which now we don't do because of <laughs> hand hygiene or the, uh, the smile that you see. Now we can't see when masks are there. It's not just that. It's an exchange of energy that happens. And certain groups, why is it more fun to do Zumba in a group? Because the josh that comes when everybody is doing with the same rhythm and the group energy that goes up gives you an exhilarating experience apart from the workout it gives you. Doing that in front of your TV or your laptop doesn't give you that same sense of fulfillment. Though you may get the same amount of burning of calories and fitness or toning up or whatever else. And that human touch is very, very important. Just think back. There are so many times in your childhood when maybe you were studying or working late for your exams and all, and you haven't heard her, you haven't seen her, you haven't smelt her, but you've sensed your mother's presence somewhere in the vicinity. And it has been a calming, soothing effect on you. And before you've expressed it, probably she's come with that hot snack or a beverage or something, intuitively sensing your need. And that energy exchange that happens subliminally, even not consciously, feeds us with positivity. Why does a child get soothed when you hold the baby and rock it? It's not just the physical touch. It is the loving energy that is transmitted, the comforting, the safety factor, the feeling that that child who can't express itself in any other way than crying gets of knowing it is wanted, loved, cared for, and safe or secure. And a child feels abandoned when that is not there. As a pediatric surgeon, when newborn babies were born with abnormality and they had to undergo major surgical procedures, failure to thrive was a huge challenge when they were in the NICUs. And that changed when we accepted that though there is a need for sterility and cleanliness and all, allowing the mother to be part of that caregiving. We have to counsel her to help her accept that baby with tubes and other things. But having her touch the baby, pat the baby, talk to the baby, hold the baby hand, even if the baby could not be nursed by the mother, improved survival so much. And therefore, it's a real need. 
It's one of those basic needs that I spoke of right in the beginning, human needs. We need each other. And even though it is lockdown time and this thing, do you live in an apartment or where do you live, Jatin? Um, yeah, I live in a, in, a, in a PG. So like... PG. A, yeah. Right. So in that PG, there will be other youngsters, men, women, etc., uh, who are probably equally lonely or isolated. But within yep. a, a, a larger group, if you can identify three or four people whom with whom you are maybe talking uh, by phone or whatever, where you feel a rapport and who you know follow adequate safety precautions, that, you know, reasonable safety precautions. Yep. And if you socialize only with that limited group on a regular basis, it gives you that, it feeds that need for us. Like I live actually, I've chosen to live in this uh, lifestyle retirement village. I'm one of the youngest living here. So they all call me young lady. <laughs> it feels good because you have octogenarians and nanogenarians. But within this community of 18, 90 people who are living in this place, we have identified four cottage people, couples who are little younger uh, than the 80s and 80s. And we only go to their cottage on occasion in groups of three or four or not more. And we interact. And outdoors, we meet with all the others when we're passing by, we're walking and all. But it allows for that human need to be met because human beings require other human beings. But right now, because of this thing of spreading COVID, limiting that number to those few, and doing it regularly and doing fun activities. Don't sit and again talk only about COVID. Do singing, dancing, uh, chit-chatting, playing board games, doing anything, but doing it physically with somebody else, but that limited circle. Two other things which feed this human need for contact is a pet. So a lot of people have got cats and dogs in this time because they are again living warm bodies and they need the love as much as we need it. And believe you me, dogs give back so much more than we give them. Complete unconditional, complete loyal, complete total acceptance of who we are in whatever shape, size, color we are. And that undying love and excitement and love, even if you go out of a room of five minutes, come back, the tail wagging is just very gratifying. So a pet helps us to feed that need to some extent. And a goldfish doesn't really count in that sense. <laughs> it's a cold fish, so it's not really. You need that warm, furry body. And somebody who, you know, licks your hand or whatever. It's each one. Second thing, and this is sometimes easier for people who cannot take response to a pet, is actually nurturing a plant. Even a potted plant on your uh, uh, windowsill or in your balcony or wherever. Actually planting it, watering it talking to it, you know, it's a life form, it thrives. And when you see it blooming and it, see it blossoming and when you see that first flower that comes or the fruit, it just gives you that same thing. And working with your hands, touching the earth is again meeting that need for connection. Because we've come from the earth and we go back to the earth. So that connect is very strong. I've lived in this place for two and a half years and the first few banana and papaya trees I planted, uh, are giving me fruit and gives me so much joy to harvest them and then to share them with the others and to eat them organically grown, homegrown stuff. So whatever works for you. 
Chirag is next, but Nilima, I want to ask you, it's, it, it's on the top of the hour. Do you have about 15 minutes more? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, Chirag, go ahead. Hello, ma'am. Am I audible? Yes, you are. Uh, actually, I wanted to ask that how to uh, uh, handle or uh, uh, how to handle the focuslessness. I mean, many times we decide that uh, we have to do these these things, but no one is since no one is uh, there to uh, guide us or uh, keep watch on us that we are doing it or not. So we just keep delaying things. So. And our deadlines are ne never met. So how can we handle that? I think it comes down to a simple question of practicing self-discipline and integrity. Those who have a high sense of self-worth and integrity will obey a traffic light even when there are no cops. Will wear a helmet or a seat belt not because somebody is going to find you if you don't, but because it's the right thing to do. And keeping to a timeline that you have decided for yourself as what you want to do in a disciplined way is a habit we have to inculcate and starts with small things. Procrastination is very easy, especially in these times when you're kind of stuck at home and you feel, okay, if I don't do it now, I'll watch something, I'll do some Netflix or I'll do some social media. I can always get catch up with it later anyway. I have to not go anywhere else. And it's happening like that. And there is no other way. It's very easy to become lazy and get into a thing. It's okay. After the COVID, I'll get back into my routine. Or no. You know what? Time waits for nobody. And we don't know. The uncertainty of what is going to happen, when it's going to happen, we don't know. But our life is our life. And every minute is precious. If this huge numbers of deaths that have occurred in the COVID times, in addition to all the other illnesses, if it hasn't made us realize the value of this gift of life that we have, and we choose to waste it, we can't blame anybody else. We can't blame COVID. We can't blame uh, lack of thing. It is a question of discipline. And self-discipline comes with small things. Get into some routine of exercise. Get into some routine of sleeping and getting up at a particular time, get into some self-accountability for what you do or don't do, but not to be too harsh on yourself and berate yourself and beat yourself up because you couldn't do it all. But at the same time, not being uh, too much of a pampering self uh, person. And for people who find it hard to be self-disciplined on their own, again, a buddy system works where each of you kind of holds the other accountable and you help each other through this. I found that it works very well. Nice. Um, Aprajita? Hi, ma'am. It's a pleasure to interact with you. Uh, sorry, I was unable to, you know, uh, take the initial part. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to ask you, like in your uh, bio data, it was written that, or, uh, what Dan Sarah shared that you have worked for the upliftment of healthcare system in uh, Indian villages, basically. So I just wanted your thoughts on that. Like, what exactly? How is the situation now? And what 
has to be done like if we see in social media and all the way they present is like terribly bad like is can't be anything but worse than that but what is your thought yes uh, the board commission that was uh, created near it around the independence time was a very very well structured system of public health care primary health care center with the asha workers and the village uh, dies and other things linked with that then the district level and then the regional level and then the referral centers and the training institutions it started off very well but with time i think we as a nation did not give enough importance to the two most critical things one is public education and one is public health care and because it was not keeping up with the times not being upgraded not being funded adequately to keep it on par with the needs privatization was an easy way to happen and privatized healthcare and privatized education were very unregulated and it became more of a business whereas primary care is definitely a basic human need and a basic human right but we as a nation failed to do it and it has been brought highlighted right now when all the health systems are overwhelmed with the uh, support of covid care but two things have come out very nice through this covid thing one it has highlighted the need and therefore policy level decisions are happening of more uh, comprehensive integrated care and even getting ayush and other doctors to work collaboratively rather than in silos and second is telemedicine it has been formalized it has had guidelines and it has become accepted i have been a, a volunteer for government of india in uh, uh, counseling and teletriaging and tele uh, consulting covid positive people in their home and uh, through this platform thousands of doctors have done this as voluntary work and because i speak multiple languages i've been doing it across somebody in jharkhand or uh, uttarakhand and somebody in uh, uh, latur or something and somebody in pondicherry also so i have had a very enriching experience of feeling okay even if i'm not a frontline warrior i'm still doing my bit for our country's fight against this uh, pandemic and interacting with so many people and honestly i think our rural population is a much hardier healthier lot obesity is almost non existent deficiencies may be there but their diets and this thing are much healthier because they grow the stuff and eat it there and yes stress and uh, urbanization and migration is the factor where the, they are hit hardest and my experience when i did those uh, projects it showed that the urban poor are far unhealthier than the rural poor so the urban poor are living completely unhealthy lifestyles compared to what their ancestors were from somebody who used to eat ragi mudde sopsar in their farm in rural karnataka in bangalore is suddenly living on tea and bread and buns processed foods so that's the easiest thing to get on the way to their labor or whatever so stress levels are high diabetes is rampant in youngsters all of that but i believe and the step on project through which i do my uh, tele support we are already working on the step 2 what i've called it that how can the same uh, network be vamped up to work with 
the primary health care. There is a small infrastructure there, but inadequate. Staff is inadequate, specialists are not there, uh, high-end diagnostics are not there. But with telehealth, with that person in contact with that local, can we vamp it up and do it? And already Pondicherry government and uh, one other uh, union territory government has taken it up seriously for non-communicable diseases. So I believe more funding will happen, more uh, focused efforts will happen in supporting and improving this. But one very important thing is, I don't think it's just the job of doctors and to say, make five years mandatory rural service is going to solve it. Yes, it's one of the solutions, just like in the army. When you join the army, you have to do five years service before you can do a PG. And you can be posted anywhere from Ladakh to uh, Lakshadweep, anywhere you could be posted and you have to go and do your service. But along with that, for these postings and to bring it up, there has to be development of all the things. So I say, why not engineering students go there and build safer drinking water, solar power systems and think, why not architects go and build their the more green compatible buildings and roads for access. Why not put, just like now people are studying online, create ability for children to study and be connected with schools. Now it doesn't matter if that teacher is taking an online class, whether 50 attend or 5,000 attend, right? So good teachers can be, uh, let's say, multiplied very easily virtually. And these are ways, similarly, good doctors can do the same thing. And mentoring, I think the key is to help the youngsters to work towards those bigger loftier goals through mentoring hand holding and support but yes they have to be paid adequately also because you know what they are human beings too with their aspirations needs and it's unfair that they only expect doctors to have to do social service yes who want to do can do happy to do it do it but it should not be a forced thing because it's pathetic when uh, governments make rules where they think finally students can be taken for uh, COVID duties at 3,000 rupees a month when the chaprasi gets paid 9,000 rupees as minimum wages. So unfair. Yeah. Um, any burning question, Ankita? Do you have? Did you raise your hand or just? Um, okay. So. No. You know, I think uh, we, we are almost hour and a half coming to close. And I'd love to do the exercise that you were saying and we can try it and... Uh, okay. So uh, keep everyone else on mute. I'll be talking. Uh, you can sit comfortably. You're not supposed to fall asleep, but it's a visualization. It's a small journey-like thing. So uh, you don't have to be seated on the ground. You don't have to sit in the lotus pose or anything. Just try and keep your spine Erect. So if you're in a chair also, instead of leaning black and slouching, just sit up straight like this. If you're sitting on a chair, remove your chapels, let your feet touch the ground. So you're grounded. If you're sitting on the floor and you're comfortable or on your bed, sit cross-legged and be at ease. If you're, any of your clothing is very tight or uncomfortable, please be more relaxed. And if you don't want your video on, you want to just follow, and you want to switch it off, that's your call too. But try not to sleep. And anyway, you're muted. So if you'll do fall asleep, your snoring won't be heard. So don't worry. <laughs> Everybody is comfortable. Try not to wriggle around or move around during the next few minutes. It hurts to go into your zone better. 
you can put your hand in the chin mudra which is joining your thumb and your first finger or you can just keep it like cups on your lap don't have to keep your hand rigidly stiff for anything just like that and this is symbolic of saying you're open to receiving whatever it is that you're going to get during this session close your eyes don't squeeze them hard just close them gently and let's do just a few deep breaths breathe in through your nose and open your mouth and breathe out through your mouth with a soft sigh again breathe in through your nose hold it for a second and then breathe out through your mouth now focus on that breathing and when you're breathing in allow your belly to come out not just your chest but fill your stomach chest everything with that fresh clean air and then breathe out again now close your mouth and just breathe normally and focus on the fact that the air is moving in and out of your nostrils try to visualize the air going through your nose down your throat into your lungs and the rich oxygen going into your blood and going to every organ giving it that life force that it needs to keep functioning and doing its best to keep your body healthy now imagine a light golden circle all around you wherever you're seated on the floor about an arm's distance from your body there is this golden ring of light around you this is your space why arm's length because from the tip of one finger to the tip of the other finger is actually your height so if that you identify as your space defined by that golden circle of light then that becomes your safe space in any position even if you were to lie down like leonardo da vinci's man's diagram you'd still be within that circle if you can't visualize it and you're not a very visual person think of a giant torch light being shone on your head from above and that torch makes a big circle of golden light around you with you seated right in the center feel safe feel comfortable in it now in your mind's eye visualize any place that you may have actually been to or that you can imagine as something that is very soothing to you or very beautiful to you since this is the first time we are doing this exercise together i'm going to take you on a journey to my beautiful place so just follow me in your mind's eye see yourself walking along a small path with trees all around you there is nobody else around it's somewhere mid morning not a very hot day there is a cool breeze rustling the leaves and as you're walking along the dabbling light between the leaves making shadows and patterns and you're just feeling at peace with yourself and as you walk around you're hearing the birds twittering 
They seem to be singing very chirpily. They seem to be happy. And listening to them makes you feel happy too. And as you walk further, you're hearing some sound of water flowing. It's that gurgle. It's not a rushing stream. It's not a forceful waterfall. It's just a gurgling sound of running water. And you are drawn towards it. You walk there and then suddenly you find this little stream merrily gurgling along and sparkling in the sun. And as you walk beside it, there is this huge tree, perhaps a banyan tree or a people tree right on the edge of that river. And it seems to beckon you. So go ahead, walk towards that tree. And when you reach the tree, you see how strong it is, how sturdy it is. The bark is rough, but there's a warmth to it. And you feel tempted, so you sit yourself under that tree. You rest your back against it. And you feel that firm strength of that tree, knowing it'll support you no matter what. And as you're sitting there, feeling one with nature, feel like the tree itself, how its roots go deep from Mother Earth, getting all the nourishment that it needs. You are seated on that same ground and feel the nurturing, loving care coming from Mother Earth into you. Looking up, the leaves are getting the sunlight and the chlorophyll is producing their food. The same sunlight is falling on your head and it is like the father-son giving us a recharge, instant recharge, like a battery pack. Feel that warmth on your cheeks. Feel that light on your head. And feel one with this beautiful world, which you are a part of, a beautiful part of. Just relax. If thoughts are coming, let them flow in and flow out. Just observe those thoughts. Don't judge them as good thoughts or bad thoughts or positive thoughts or negative thoughts. Just let them be. And as you get more still within, you're feeling that sense of deep calm, of deep peace and deep love. Love for yourself because only when you are filled with love can you give love to another. When you're filled with this positive energy, can you share that energy with the world? When you're filled with this peace, can you radiate it to the outer world? And when you have this love, peace, calm, and joy within you, every cell is vibrating with positive energy. No COVID can ever infect you. It's better than any vaccine in the world because it is something that constantly recharges within you amazing healing and rejuvenating capacity of this body, ability to fight any and every infection. Let that assurance stay with you. I'm going to just be quiet for a couple of minutes, allowing you to just soak it all in and recharge yourselves and take this feeling back home with you, that expanded feeling of joy when you return back to your own home, to your own room, to 
your very place wherever you are right now. And you can experience this anytime you want. You don't need a tool. You don't need an app. You don't need Dr. Nilima to tell you. You can do it for yourself. Enjoy that peace and calm for a minute or two. Gently bring your awareness to the here and the now. Just wriggle your fingers and toes a little. When you feel ready, rub your hands. Press them over your eyes a little. And then let them run down your body and wake up back to the present with a big smile. Namaste. Thank you so much, Nelima. This was really nice. We're going to call you back. Happy to be with you all. I hope this experience will give you all a beautiful night's rest and you'll wake up with a smile on your face tomorrow and every morning. Good night. A network should last a lifetime. Let us help you create lasting professional relationships with our world-class mentors through the Biopatrika Industry Mentorship Program. A strategic guidance program unlike no other, full of expert interviews, industry internship opportunities, CV writing, inflection point analysis, life maps, and of course, the gateway to your dream career. For a limited time only, all our services are freely available for you as we truly want you to succeed.